0: Are you ready for the word this morning? I really uh, have a strong burden on my heart to share this word with you this morning. Won't you just uh, lift up your Bible, say this after me. This is God's word. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Lord, I thank you for your anointing on the word that is shared right now. I depend on you. Use me, use my mouth to be able to declare what you want to have declared in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message this morning is Radical Faith and Obedience. Won't you say that with me? Radical Faith and Obedience. It'll come on the screen in a moment's time. If you're making notes, I encourage you to jot that down. You can turn so long to Genesis 22. We'll get there in a moment's time. Now, I do have a lot to cover, but I believe that it is important and so I'm trusting that God is actually going to cause an impact in hearts and spirits here today. So it's been on my heart for several months now, even since December, when I read through Genesis 22, it's been on my heart to speak on this passage of scripture. Why? Because it reinforces our 2017 theme, of building up your most holy faith. And that is a theme that continues on throughout the year. And so, I must admit, however, that I have been a little hesitant to actually share on this passage as I've pondered about it. And the reason why I've been hesitant is because it is so radical. It's a radical passage. And also, at points in the passage, the story Is actually shocking it's a shocking story and so kind of put your safety belts on as we will look at this but even though it's radical even though it's shocking nevertheless it contains an important faith story of one of our spiritual fathers Abraham and for that reason we need to take careful note of what is being said here So we're going to read a longer passage of Scripture today, 19 verses. How many of you say in church, I believe we should read passages of Scripture? Good, fantastic. So we're going to read 19 verses, and I encourage you to follow in your Bible, especially if you have the new King James Version. Uh, If not, you might want to follow on the screen. And allow the Lord to speak to you. He loves to take His Word and apply it to your heart. Here goes, Genesis 22, verse 1 to 19, the New King James Version. Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. and Abraham said to his young men, "Stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go and worship, go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you." So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. Take note of that little point that Isaac was carrying the wood. It was laid upon him. And he, that's Abraham, took the fire in his hand that would speak of the flint and the knife, and the two of them went together. Verse seven on the next slide. This is the only little place where Isaac now speaks. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Isn't that powerful? So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And listened to the agony of this statement And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. Can you imagine the agony in the heart of this father? He bound his son and he laid him on the altar. My goodness. Upon the wood. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear me since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Verse 13 on the next slide. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there, Behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram. And he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Also translated, Jehovah Jireh. As it is to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. Verse 15 then the angel of the Lord called the second time. So there was the first time saying, no, 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 don't harm the son. Now the angel called the second time to Abraham out of heaven, verse 16, and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing I will bless you. Don't you like those words? I will bless you and multiply I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Verse 18, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then the statement, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. And they arose and went to Bathsheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now, I don't know what you think about that story, but let me say I think that is a dramatic story, isn't it? Come on, let's be real. Is this a dramatic story? It is. Is this a moving story? Most certainly it is. If you read a story like this and don't feel moved in any way, then I think, what's going on? I just want to say something important as a foundational element, and it's this, that God has always been opposed to human sacrifice, and he would have never allowed Abraham to go through with the slaying of his son. I believe we can say that in terms of being in accordance with the character of God, and I think it's important to take note of that. What's also interesting is this story in the Old Testament of Isaac being offered is an Old Testament picture of what would happen in the New Testament with Jesus being offered on the cross. There's a prophetic symbolism between these two. And there are parallels here in these two stories. One of the parallels says, take your only son, Isaac, and in the New Testament, it says, and God gave his only begotten son, Jesus. Do you see the parallel? There is another parallel that we see, is this, uh, and it's this, that Isaac carried the wood. And in the New Testament, we see that Jesus carried his cross to Golgotha. And sometimes when we read scripture, we need to say, Lord, show us. These pictures and what you were saying, even from way back, what you were prophesying of what would be done. So there are these parallels. But let me say this. The big difference is that God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. But Father God did not stop the slaying of his own son, Jesus. He allowed Jesus to die. And that is... The massive difference between these stories of Isaac and of Jesus. Jesus went even further. A father God went even further. He allowed Jesus to die for you and I. And you know what that makes me think of? How great the father's love for us. That he did not spare his own son. Point number one of four things I'd like to say say to you. Number one. We will all face times when our faith is tested. Please say that aloud with me. We will all face times when our faith is tested. Perhaps just going to spend a little bit more time on this point out of the form. So the reality is that if you are a believer, all believers will at some points in our lives face times of testing. It is unrealistic to think, well, I'm never going to have a time of testing in my life. And let me say around this is that if right now you are not going through a, a faith test time, don't look down on somebody else who is going, on, uh, going through a time of the testing of their faith. Because you could begin to think, well, I'm a little bit more spiritual. I'm sure I pray more than that person, you know. But let me tell you, you're not more spiritual than them, uh, not necessarily. They might just be in a different season to the season that you're in. And there may come well a time when the tables are turned. Now, when you think of testing, do you get excited? No. A couple of people went, yeah, because they thought they're going to say yes now. No, when you think of testing, you know what? Generally speaking, from our human nature, we despise it. We think, oh no, it's the last thing I want to have happen in my life. But the, the Lord that we serve has this amazing way of bringing beautiful things out of these times of testing. He's just such a wonderful, gracious Father. And he can bring out these beautiful things and know this that as children of God, your heavenly Father is watching over any time of testing that you may be facing. He's a loving Heavenly Father. And He's presiding over any time of testing. And He says this to you today. I will not test you beyond what you can bear. But I'm faithful. And I will provide a way of escape. And so know that in any testing, our wonderful Father is presiding over it. Can you say, amen? Amen? Amen. The Scripture says in Genesis 22, verse 1. It's on your screen in the New Living Translation. Sometime later... God tested Abraham's faith. What did he test? Abraham's faith. We've been talking since the beginning of the year about this theme of building up your most holy faith. And I think that when we started at the beginning of the year, everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to build our faith. And, And now you see it involves the testing of your faith. And you say, John, I was enjoying this series up until you got to this point. Oh, no. But you know What? We have to speak the whole counsel of God. We can't just pick and choose all the nice little things. I want to tell you, according to scripture, when we talk about faith, there's times when it is tested. Make no mistake about it. That same verse, verse 1 in the Amplified Bible says, Now after these things, God tested the faith and commitment of Abraham. And specifically in the next verse, verse 2, the new King James says, Now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him there as a burnt offering. What a test that Abraham was going through. Just to explain the context, Abraham was 99 years of age. His wife Sarah was 90 years of age. And God appeared to them at that time. And he appeared to Abraham. And he said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. At that point in time, his wife was beyond the age of bearing children. But God gave a promise. And his wife, Sarah, had never given birth to a child. But yet, at 90 years of age, God gives this promise and says, That you are going to be the father of many nations. And Isaac will be the son of promise. And so at 99 years of age. Abraham received that promise. And within one year. Isaac was born. Can you imagine that? You're a 100 year old daddy. And you have this little kid. That is born to you. My goodness. And so. Can you imagine the blessing in the home, the excitement, etc.? But now, a few years have passed, and God is saying that that son of promise, the one through whom the dream is going to come about, you have to offer him up to me. Can you imagine the turmoil in his heart? God, I don't understand what you're doing. Sometimes you and I face situations like that where we don't understand God why. This just seems crazy. But nonetheless, the Lord said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him. By the way, it seems that Isaac was possibly about 15 years of age at that point in time. So it wasn't a little three or four year old. It seems he wasn't about 19 or 21. It seems he may have been around 15 years of age. I have a 15 year old son. And to contemplate something like this is just beyond words. You don't even know what to say. But what was Abraham's real test? It was the test of the willingness to lay down the dream. Let me say that again. Abraham's test was the willingness to lay down the dream and at the same time believe that God could either intervene or that God could even resurrect his son. And so basically God was saying to Abraham, 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 do you love me more than that dream that is alive in your heart? And the funny thing is that this is the dream that God put into Abraham's heart. Sometimes it can be the dream that God has put into your heart, and God says, That dream, you need to offer it on the altar to me. May I ask you a sobering question today? Sir, man, would you be willing to lay down your spiritual Isaac? on the altar if god asked you there is a test for all of us in the story would you be willing to lay down that dream it could be the dream of your career it could be the dream of Your nets and having to lay them down. It could be the dream of your aspirations. It could be the dream of your 10 year plan and where you're going and how you're determined to be a millionaire by the age of 35 or a multi millionaire, etc. And sometimes we've got to ask ourselves do I love God more than this thing that's in my heart? Do I love God more than the dream? In 1998, I had to lay down my Isaac on the altar. I've had a few times where I've had to do something like that. But here in 1998 was an opportunity where I had to lay down my Isaac on the altar. And I received a call extended to me. At that stage, I was a pastor at Hatfield Church, one of the congregational pastors. And I received a call to take up the leadership of another church. It was a small church, an Afrikaans church, very conservative church, not in a very desirable area, and I received this call. And I must tell you, in my heart of hearts, I did not want it. But I did say to the Lord, I said, Lord, I will do whatever you tell me to do. And so I felt the right thing was that I would need to pray about it. And so I called some people around me, some of my family, some spiritual friends, and two spiritual fathers. And we met together as a group of about 12 people in my mother's lounge. And I shared with them what was happening. And I asked them, could we go away and pray and come back together in maybe a week or 10 days time and share what the Lord says? Well, we came back together about two weeks later. And one by one, we went around the group, and with every single one, there was confirmation after confirmation, and God said, accept the call. Wow. God said, accept the call. And so I communicated with the leadership of that local church, and I accepted the call. And I thought, well, God, I don't understand everything, but I've accepted the call. And within a few days after formally accepting the call, it all completely fell through. Just fell through. And they withdrew the call. And I thought, but Lord, we had had confirmation and and what was going on and why did this take place? And God said, I was simply testing your heart, my son. I was testing, would you put your Isaac on the altar? I was never going to take you to that place, but I tested your heart. And I'm sure many people can relate to something like that. Number two, oh that our attitude to tests would please God. Now, you and I can see faith tests as something terrible, or we can see something, see it as something beneficial. And I believe that when we look through the eyes of God, you can begin to see a faith test as something beneficial. The scripture in James one verse two to four in the NIV. It says, consider it pure joy. Now, this is talking about tests, that when you go through tests, you should consider it pure joy. I'd just like to say, I didn't put that in the Bible, okay? So don't get cross with me. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, say those words with me, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Take note of the goal here. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. I remember some time back meeting with a man, came to meet with me in my office, and he began to share of a huge, massive faith test that he went through in his life. Praise the Lord, he came through on top. And here he was sitting in this Chair in my office telling me about this faith test and what he had been through. And then he said these words He said, You know what, John? I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. I said, but my my friend, what you went through is really rough. He said, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. And you know what? That struck me. It's only Christ in a person that can make somebody respond like that in such a Christ-like way. What was he saying? He says he considered it all joy, what God did in that situation in his life. I want to ask you today, are you facing a faith test? As you sit here this morning, think about it. Or you may be facing a faith test right now. And I want to say to you, if you are, I want to encourage you, respond from your spirit nature, from your spirit man. Don't respond from your fleshly nature. And please, don't go with an attitude of, I despise this. I believe that we need to look at it through heaven's eyes. That's a line from a movie uh, in recent times that see it through heaven's eyes. Can we look at these things through heaven's eyes? Oh, that our attitude to tests would please God. And as we do through heaven's eyes, I believe it will please God. And let me say, in line with the spirit response, I want to say to you, sow to the spirit and you will of the spirit reap life. And so the instruction is clear. Count it all joy. Why, Lord? Let me tell you why. Because he is developing your character for good. And Christ is being formed in you. The most beautiful thing in our lives, folks, that can happen is Christ being formed in us. Come on, can you say an amen? Amen. Number three, Abraham's astonishing faith in this story. Now, I use the word astonishing intentionally because Abraham's faith was astonishing. It wasn't average. And we can learn so much through Abraham's example. Now, besides for the general example of this whole story and Abraham's faith and obedience, there are two specific scriptures in this passage that show his faith in evidence. And the one is Genesis 22, verse 5. And look at this. It says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. And now listen to this. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we, would you say the word we? We will come back to you. Now, folks, if you haven't realized that, this is incredible. Because this is a man of faith, a man who is fully persuaded, saying, I know we're going to go to that mountain. We're going to worship God. But you know what? I'm not coming back alone. I'm coming back with my son. I'm coming back with the son of promise. I'm going to see God's purposes fulfilled." He was fully persuaded. He wasn't trying to fool the guys, these young men with the donkey and so on. Don't worry, guys, I'll be back. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, oh, I'm not going to be back. I'm not going to be back. No. He was fully persuaded persuaded. Don't you just love that? I want to tell you faith is being fully persuaded. You might be here in a situation today, and you have been molested, and you have been abused in your life, but yet in your heart of hearts, you are fully persuaded that God is going to use your life in an incredible way. That is faith. You might be here, and you are so broke in your situation you're battling financially they're about to repossess your car but God has given you a promise that he is going to bless you and he's going to provide for you you are fully persuaded regarding that and I want to say in terms of that you be fully persuaded because that is faith you might be here today and there is a death sentence that has been spoken over your life medically but I believe like Abraham was fully fully persuaded You and I can be fully persuaded that God will heal me. Can you say aloud amen? Amen. And so I want to say, let faith arise. Come on, say that with me. Let faith arise. One more time. Let faith arise in this place. And in verse 8 of Genesis 22, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Let me ask you, was there at that point a lamb? No. Now, just to be fair in terms of biblical interpretation, it seems that Abraham believed that God could either intervene and stop the offering or that God could even resurrect his son. And that's according to Hebrews uh, 11 verse 19. But having said that, I want to say this. I believe that first and foremost, listen to this, Abraham saw a lamb with the eyes of faith. I want to ask you, what are you seeing with the eyes of faith? Even though there wasn't a lamb, he saw it. And this lines up with Hebrews 11 verse 1. And it says there, faith is being certain of what we do not see. Please say this after me. Abraham, Abraham. Saw, a lamb. saw a lamb with the eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. In Jesus' name, Jesus. I see my lamb see my with, the with the eyes of faith. Now tell the person next to you, look with the eyes of faith. Look with the eyes of faith. Tell them that. Number four, as I bring it to a close. Abundant blessing flows from obedience. Won't you say that with me? Abundant blessing flows from obedience. Now let me say this. I truly believe that radical faith will lead to radical obedience. You see, Abraham was fully convinced of the character of God. And when you are fully convinced of the character of God, you are ready to trust him in the situations that you face. And in terms of Abraham's obedience, do you know that this, uh, he demonstrated one of the greatest acts of obedience in all of human history. This was one of the greatest acts of obedience. And Abraham enjoyed the benefit of that obedience. Just a little thing to add in here. Do you notice that Abraham's obedience was virtually immediate? Because God spoke to him, and the very next day, early the next morning, he got up, he saddled the donkey, and he took his young men with him. Now, I wanna say this, I believe that there are times when, with certain decisions, we need to seek several confirmations from the Lord. But I also believe that there are times When you know God has spoken, and without a shadow of a doubt, you must act immediately. Listen to the statement it's on your screen. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Wow. And so I want to urge you and encourage us as a people of God, let's be prompt to obey. Now, as I draw to a close, I just have one more scripture that I'd like to read. It's Genesis 22. But now verse 16 to 18, reading from the living Bible, and look out for obedience and blessings in this little part. And it says here, because you have, what? Obeyed me, and have not withheld even your beloved son from me, I will bless you with, what's the next two words? Incredible blessings. Doesn't that sound nice? I will bless you with incredible blessings. Verse 18 And your offspring will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And look at this phrase All because you have obeyed me. Please say that line with me All because you have obeyed me I want to say to you, listen to me, sir, ma'am Obedience to God is so, so important. If you love me, obey me. That's what the word of God says. And so I want to say my closing statement is that we can experience tremendous blessing as we simply walk in obedience. Radical faith and obedience. Have you received the message today? And give the Lord a big hand of praise. Praise the Lord. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, we are encouraged today as we've seen an example of faith. And Lord, I believe that you, that you want us as your people to also be great men and women of faith. This is not only something that we should read about in the Word of God of what happened. But this is something in today's day and age that we must see and we must also experience that great men and women of faith are right next to us in our life groups, in our churches, in our environments, in the ministries around us. And so we say, Father, we yield our lives to you and we pray, oh God, that you would use us mightily. We present ourselves to you. We want to be radical in our faith. We want to be radical in our obedience. And we thank you, Lord, that you are out to bless us with incredible blessings. Wouldn't you just lift up your hands right now? And we say, Lord, as we lift our hands, we just receive the blessing of a blessed life from loving you and walking in your ways. We receive your blessings. And as we go into this week, Father, may it be a wonderful week. and Would you have your way in our midst? And would you lead and guide us? in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And we all say, Amen. Amen.